Hashtag living it with Tina and Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Anderson De Silva. I'm here again trying to record another podcast episode. Uh, um, again, I am here uh, without uh, my uh, amazing co-host, the one that you all love, uh, Tina. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a... a be tough for her to come back for a while um but um it's just because uh last week we uh um well as i'm recording this as i'm recording this this is uh yesterday uh but from when you're hearing this it would be um the week before uh yeah the week before uh we uh we buried her father we uh finally uh laid her father to rest after a long two-year battle with with uh, ALS. Um, for those of you who might not know, ALS is a uh, is a uh, it's just a terrible disease, man. It's just um, a really you know you're you're really slowly seeing seeing you know the person you love or care about just slowly you know pass away, you know. It's just a slow disease. It just uh, takes over and, you know, it just eats away at your muscles pretty much. Just eats away. And uh, it's pretty sad. And uh, uh, towards the end, um, I mean, he just wasn't there anymore. It, was, it wasn't him anymore. Uh, we, um, we laid him to rest. Uh, the town he grew up in for, well, not grew up in, I'm sorry, the town that my wife grew up in, that he's lived for almost 40 years, uh, Westboro, Massachusetts. And uh, maybe it's because it was my father-in-law, but it was probably, uh, I would say it's the most heartfelt funeral, heartfelt um, goodbye I've ever had. Um known him since I was 12 years old when I met my wife. Um, you know, this young kid, this young little punk dating his daughter. So uh, it's kind of hard uh, to win him over. <laughs> it took several years, uh, especially when I broke quite a few things in that home. Uh, one of the things that we always joke about is how uh, he... Uh, had this uh, snow globe that he purchased for my mother-in-law and uh, I broke it. Uh, yeah, so that didn't make him too happy. I impregnated his, I impregnated his daughter uh, as a teen, when she was a teenager going into college, um, totaled her car. Uh, yeah, uh, just I just gave him so many reasons to really dislike me i gave him so many reasons um what um in the beginning i'm sure he didn't really like me much uh but um i mean he was he was calm uh, as intimidating as he was when i was a teenager as i um got older and got to know him more and more uh, just got along more. He, um, you know, started to realize that um, I really wasn't a punk, you know, looking back. I really, 
I ran with the wrong crowd a few times, but um, I didn't get involved in so many things that they did. Um, you know, like in high school, quitting school, like I didn't quit school. Like I went for my license. I got a job, uh, just like things like that. You know, um, I wasn't always going out partying, getting drunk. Uh, I don't even think I ever got drunk at a party. Maybe like once. I don't know. Maybe that'll be a segment. <laughs> Tina and I will have, did we ever get drunk at a party in high school? Uh, but, um, you know, I was, uh, I think, you know, he did, you know, warm up to me and things like that. But I think what probably really made him to start to realize, okay, this is a good guy, is um, I didn't leave when Tina was pregnant. Uh, I didn't take off. I didn't disown the baby. Nothing like that. Uh, I was there the whole time. Went to Lama's class together, and uh, I was there with her when the baby was born. I didn't leave. So I think that's probably when he was like, okay. Because the reason why I'm saying this, because I'm a father now, and my oldest is already older than my wife was when my wife had her, when my wife and I had her. My daughter's already older. So um, we definitely didn't want our kids to repeat, you know, what we did and, uh, you know, get their career first and get married, then have kids, you know. But I think that's when he started to realize. And then um, shortly, shortly after that, well, not shortly, it took, I think, two years Two years after that, we moved in together because uh, we were in college. So two years after that, we moved in together, and uh, and then uh, I proposed to her. You know, I went to his I went to his job because here's the thing: I always wanted almost everything I I needed. I needed his approval. I needed I needed to know to impress him. Like I needed to do that as, you know, maybe I just kept trying to make up for all the things I did when I was in high school uh, and especially impregnating his daughter as a teenager. Uh, years later, he did tell me that um, he had a lot of anger towards me and he wanted to kill me. <laughs> later, he, he ended up telling me that, which uh, I uh, was totally understood, you know, Um. But, um, yeah, I needed to, I needed to impress him. I needed to, um, his approval. Um, I never wanted him to think, uh, low of me. Um, you know, because I treated it as like, as my father, because with my own father, I never want my father to be disappointed in me. That would be probably one of the worst things in my life, knowing that my father is disappointed in me. Um, that would, that would definitely kill me, you know? And, uh, I felt the same way towards him, you know, I never wanted him to feel disappointed in me. I never wanted him to not be impressed with what I did. 
Uh, so there were certain things that I didn't tell him. Like I, like I didn't, wasn't really telling him that when I started rapping, I didn't really tell him because he's a practical guy, a practical guy. So when he hears like, okay, my son-in-law is rapping, like it's like, who are you? You're just from the suburbs. That's like, so I never really talked to him about that. He's always practical. It's like you get a job and you raise your family, right? Uh, so when it came to like big ambitions and aspirations that I had, I never really told him about that just because um, I knew he didn't, he wouldn't react. Not, not to like, it's not because he just thinks practically, all right? So I knew if like, say, um, I was touring around the country, making money, like legit money, rapping, then he would be like, oh, okay, he's doing it. He's making the money. But if I'm just going to clubs, rapping, throwing money at the studio uh, to record, throwing money at, 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 um, at um, music videos and hardly making a return, like that to him, like nothing. He wouldn't, he wouldn't want to hear that. My father, on the other hand, yeah, my father, like mostly everything I do, my father is so impressed. <laughs> My father thinks it's like the greatest thing. So that's different. So, um, but that's just the difference between my father and her father-in-law. But that, but that was fine. That, that was nothing that really bothered me because um, I had that from my father. I did. I had uh, so much support. I have so much support from my father in everything I do. This podcast, uh, rapping, writing a book. Yeah, starting my own business and things like that. So everything I do, my father is impressed with, you know, so which is great, you know, but I know with him it's different um, uh, just because of he's just more of a practical person, which is totally fine. I had no problem with it because I knew that's how he always was. Um, so. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, so, um, you know, I, I went to his work. And I asked him for his daughter's hand in marriage. Like that's, that's like what you, that's, that's how I wanted to impress him because I knew if I went to his work, had lunch with him, express my love for his daughter, I didn't get too sappy because he'd be like, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know, uh, but I told him, you know, I've been with you, I've been with your daughter for a long time. We have this kid together and uh, we moved in together, um, you know, and I said, I love your daughter. I really do. I really love her. And with that, I just wanted to tell you that um, I bought an engagement ring. Right. I looked him dead in the eye when I said that. And uh, he looked right at me and then. <laughs> His uh, usual response with things is with stress. And he just goes, oh, I knew this was going to happen. You know, so. Whoops. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So he. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, that's just how he acts with a lot of things. So I started like laughing. Right. Because when he's just like sighs and he puts his like hand like I'll put in his uh, forehead like he got a headache. You know how people do that? That's what he always does. But for him, it, it, I, it's, it was different. I knew he didn't get all stressed out like, 
oh God, oh God, this guy wants to marry my daughter. Oh my God. Like I knew that wasn't why. He was just like, okay, it's happening. It's happening. I knew it was going to come and it, it, it's, it's, it's happening now. It's happening now. So that's, that, that's how that reaction was. Like I knew him for such a long time because I know that's, that's what it is. That's what the reaction is. So I laughed and then he, he just put his hand out. He looked at me and he says, you have my permission, you know? So, and, and, you know, that was great. That was great. And I knew, and I knew when he put his hand out to me and he said, uh, you have my permission. That was, that was to me, that was him saying, you did right. You did right. This is what you were supposed to do. And I'm glad you did it. And because you did that, you have my blessing to marry my daughter. And that's all I wanted. I did not want the engagement to be a surprise to him. He, I was, I was going to take his daughter that he's been raising and taking care of for 20 years. And I was asking him to be like, now that you've taken care of her for this long, I want to know if it's okay if I bring her into a home with me and I take care of her now. You know, this, these are things that this is what it means when you propose to a woman and when you're telling her father that you want to marry his daughter. And a lot of this came more clear to me when I had daughters. A lot of these things came more clear. I started to see things a lot the way he did. Father and his daughter. The protective man protecting his daughter. I started to see a lot of, and as my daughters grew older, I, I started to recognize a lot of like, okay, this is why he was like, this is why it was hard. Especially when my daughter started dating and she had a couple of boyfriends. I don't really like them. Second one, he was cool. Still don't think he was good for her. So I started to see like how, how he was, like his reaction, how he felt. Cause when I'm when I was dating my wife, I didn't I didn't understand, like like okay like I knew he would react a certain way, but I didn't understand I didn't like thoroughly understand. I just thought like this is how a father reacts. This is what he does because he's the father. No, like I knew the feeling, like the feeling now of what how how you felt during you know when your daughter is dating somebody. That, you know, you really don't think, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe when we were young, I don't know if he thought he ain't good for her. I don't know. Maybe he had some thoughts. Maybe he had some doubts. I don't know. I don't blame him uh, for having some of those doubts if he did. Um, but I understand, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So I'm, you know, he was there. He, he's a money guy. He's an accountant. So he's a money guy. He always thinks about money. So right away, he started thinking about, okay, uh, I, I got to make sure I have the money for the venue. I got to make sure I have money for catering. I, I got to have money for this. She's probably going to want a DJ and I have money for this. And then he looked at me. He's like, you're paying for your honeymoon. I ain't paying for that. 
<laughs> and I just looked up like, Tony, don't worry about it. Of course, I know I'm paying for the honeymoon. I wouldn't ask you to do that. He's like, all right, good. As long as we know we're on the same page on that. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And then I married his daughter. And, um, you know, on that wedding, he was so proud. He was so happy for her. And he just just couldn't believe how beautiful his daughter looked in a wedding dress. And on their wedding day, he was just on high of just how gorgeous she was. And, um, yeah, and we moved in together and, uh, you know, and, uh, things were okay. And then, uh, you know, and then I started to figure out what do I want to do? What do I want to, what do I want to do with my life? Like I had no idea. I, I, uh, I went from, you know, we moved in together. Uh, I, I was selling unfinished furniture, unfinished. So you buy a dresser. There's different woods. There's pine, aspen, oak, maple. You know, people would go there and choose the type of dresser they want. And then they could either take it home, paint it, or stain it themselves. Or they could use the service we had to paint it or stain it. So I was in like at a Jordan's Furniture selling $2,000 couches. I was selling two $300 dressers. You know, $100 beds, $100 uh, TV stands. This was back when people really had used TV stands. Uh, now they really, usually, you, they really don't now. But yeah, you know, and I was making okay money. And my wife, just out of college, was working at a daycare. Don't make a lot of money doing that. I think we together, our first year living together... We uh probably made, we did all right actually. We probably made a little over fifty grand. Probably a little over fifty grand. Just just both of us together working, um, in a little apartment, making nine hundred bucks, paying nine hundred dollar rent in a two bedroom apartment. So um, but from there I went to sell mortgages. I went to another mortgage company, then um. Then from you know, then from there, uh, I um, um, I went in fidelity and and it's just like I never really found a place where I love to do where I made like a ton of money. I was making, I was doing all right. I was making money going, but then like I just wasn't cutting it in a lot of these types of fields and careers I, I was going in. So um, we moved a lot. You know, we'd move somewhere, couldn't afford the rent. Then we move here, then we move here, then we move here. And, uh, you know, and then we, um, then when I changed careers and uh, became an electrician, um, that's when things started getting better. I was able to get more, make more money, save money, pay off a lot of my old debt. And we saved money and finally bought a house. And, and before that, he was saying, you know, he said to me, he's like, Anderson, I just want my daughter to buy a house, to live in a house before I die. And to me, I was like, to me at that moment, I'm thinking like, well, of course that's going to happen because to me, he was going to be there for, be around for another 30, 40 years. So I'm like, yeah, that's definitely going to happen like way before you die, like way before you die. So to me, I thought that was just silly. But five years later, after buying the house, 
he's gone. But but I'm glad I, I'm glad I fulfilled that promise for him. And he on his way home, he uh, he told me after helping us move which was uh, the ninth time he said he helped us move. He made sure to point that out to me. He's like, you know, this is the ninth time I help you move, right? And I'm like, nine times, huh? He's like, yep. And I'm like, well, of course you would remember that, Tony. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, of course I remember. <laughs> so, um, but after helping us move that day and seeing our home, he didn't want to see it until we closed. I've always asked him to come and see it, you know, before it closed, but he didn't want to. I think he was afraid. He was afraid to get excited for us and then us not get the house because before that, we actually lost this house. And uh, but God, God's grace, we ended up finding a better house. So I think he was just afraid, but he came, saw the house for the first time, loved it, loved the house. Um still need some work um but functional clean house beautiful house and uh on his way home he cried he said he cried he was it was happy tears he was just really really happy that his daughter finally you know was able to live in a home that was hers you know he and uh, it was big enough to fit all three of our kids. And it was our own piece of land. Our own piece of land. Well, it will be in five, six years when we finally pay off this mortgage. But he was really happy. You know, and I'm, I'm glad I made him happy. You know, and uh, his, her mother, proud of us. My parents, my, my father is just absolutely over the moon he was so happy for us um you know because unfortunately my parents never owned a home and my brother my sister don't own a home so i think my father for my father you know her father tina's father was happy that like i said that his daughter was able to live in a home and it was just he felt or he felt like, okay, now she's secure. She's secure. She's not living in these apartments, you know, which, you know, to him is never, never forever. It's always temporary. Now she's secure and she's good. She's good to go. Um, with my father is, you know, his son finally achieved the American dream. You know, his hard work of coming here, uh, working so hard to get us up here, help us become naturalized so one day we could be citizens, you know, and then here I am, I achieved the American dream, bought my own home. So my father was real happy and my mom too. So I think, but what I, what I wanted to show my father-in-law, um, and my father too, but my father knew it. I didn't have to prove this to my father because my father knew this about me is, but with her father, I needed to show him that I wouldn't give up because it was a 10 month process for us to buy this home. 10 months being denied by banks, 
having a seller of a home that we really loved pull out and not want to sell us the house because we were denied three times and he's like that's it i can't keep accepting offers from you i want to accept an offer from somebody who will get a mortgage which is totally understandable and then uh waiting to find another home and then crossing our fingers hoping that the fourth time we would finally get the mortgage and although it was the just the pain in the butt you know we we didn't get we could have given up after being denied three times and the seller of that home just being like forget it we could have given up when we could have been like all right let's move out let's get an apartment let's keep saving wait another year and try again but i didn't want to do that i needed to show my father-in-law like i'm not giving up this is gonna happen this is gonna happen and i told him i said it's gonna happen tony and he thought he thought it was gonna happen he told me he's like it's probably not gonna happen there's too many obstacles there's too many things going against you but he he just thinks practical he's an accountant he sees what's in front of him and what's in front of him he sees he's getting denied a, a company is not gonna give him a mortgage he's not it's three times if three mortgages turned him down mortgage companies turned him down he's gonna get turned down that's what he sees for me, I saw differently. For me, I saw, nope, there is a mortgage company out there that will give me a loan. I just got to find it. So I showed him and he was happy. He was just like, wow, you did it. I said, yep, I did. I did. So, yeah, so, you know, it, it was just, you know, really great father-in-law. He's helped us through a lot. He opened his home before we bought our house. We lived there for almost two years. He opened his home. You know, of course, it's his daughter and his granddaughters. He would never turn them away. But it was very humbling for me. And it was embarrassing. Because going back to when I proposed to him, I mean, I'm sorry, to my daughter and asking him permission to marry her. Like I said, I was telling him, I'm, you have raised her and took care of her. Now I want to do it. And to move back move into his home where he's paying the mortgage, he's paying the bills. It was like me telling him, like, I failed. Sorry. I failed. I, I couldn't take care of her. I couldn't. As a man, I did felt that way. And, uh... But he never made me feel that way. He never did. It was always I made myself feel that way. He, um, but I did pay him rent. He says, if you're going to live here, costs are going to go up. There's going to be five extra people living in this home. There'll be a more electricity use, more water use, more oil for the heat being used. 
So I paid him rent. We we came up to, with an agreement for a monthly amount, which was way cheaper than if I got an apartment. So it, I had no problem. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I never wanted to be late. I always paid him first before anything else because I did not want my father-in-law to to ever come at me be like hey where's the rent because I didn't want him because to me because this is why right it, it was always all right, going back to like, didn't want him to think bad. To me, if I paid him late, he's going to think, if this guy can't pay me this small amount of rent on time, how is he going to, no wonder he couldn't support my daughter out there. How is he going to buy a house and pay a mortgage that's way bigger? How is he, when something breaks, Cause he would say something to me. He would say like, you know, when you own a home, things break. Right. And I said, yeah, I know. He's like, and it's going to be on you to pay to get it fixed. I said, yeah, I know. And I said to him, I can't wait. I was like, I can't wait to have those problems. Cause it's mine. The furnace goes, I'll fix it. Cause it's my furnace. Mine. Refrigerator breaks. I'll fix it or get a new one because it's mine. That's the difference. Like when it's yours, you want to fix it. And here's the thing. The irony of it all, all is my furnace did go. <laughs> my furnace did go. And uh, yeah, even though I bartered with somebody uh, to get it done, it was still pricey when it comes to all the material. But but yeah, I never wanted to pay him. So I never paid, wanted to pay him late because I didn't want him to think like, oh, you know, how, how is he going to be able to support my daughter out there? How's he going to be able to have a mortgage, pay a mortgage? He can't pay me this small amount of rent. So I never, I never want him to even have that thought cross his mind. Even if it was just like, even if he thought about it for like a second, I, I just didn't want that. I didn't even want that to cross his mind. I want him to be like, look, this guy pays me on time. This guy is being resilient. He's working hard. He's working hard every day. Because while I was doing this, I was I was an apprentice. I was going to school. Um, I I was studying. I ended up getting my my journeyman license uh, during this, you know, and I passed it the first time. That was another thing. I was like, I can't go go take this test and then come back and fail. Like I can't let him see, but it wasn't all, look, obviously I didn't want to fail for my kids. Ultimately it's for my kids and my wife because they're going to benefit from, from that. They're the ones going to benefit because I'll be make, able to make more money. I'll be able to support them and do more things with them. But because I was living there with him, like I'm on my way to go get my test. He's like going to know because he'll be like, oh, where's Anderson? And my wife's obviously going to say, oh, he wants to go get his test. I'll take his test for the journeyman. So he would know. You know, my wife's not going to say, I don't know. I don't know where he went. So he would know, right? 
I didn't want to come back and be like, nah, I, I passed. I just didn't want any doubt in that man's head. Any doubt of anything I did. I just didn't want no doubts. So I made sure I studied hard and I passed the first time. So he came, he was proud, he was happy, you know. Um, you know, and of course my father was happy. And right away my father's like, all right, now you're gonna start your business. <laughs> For like the past five years, my dad's been bugging me to start my own business, and I finally did. And he couldn't be he couldn't be happier. But yeah, I started my business while my father-in-law was sick, so I never really got to talk much to him about it. He never really got to see how I'm handling running my own business. He never will. It's one of the sad things. Um, that's just another thing I wanted to impress him with impress him with my business you know but um but i had that last talk with him you know before he went and i uh, i just talked to him he couldn't respond but i just told him i say it's not my business it's doing great by the end of the year i want to start you know have somebody full time and tell him all this stuff told him how much i loved his daughter just want to let him know it's gonna be okay she's gonna be fine she's gonna be fine it's nothing to worry about. We got money in the bank. Start, you know, paying off our debt. We're, we're, we're going to be fine, you know. But, yeah, man, that's the story. That's the story of, uh, you know, my experience with uh, my father-in-law. And, uh, you know, it's Portuguese, Italian man, rough around the edges. Uh, but as I got older, I got less scared of him. <laughs> I wasn't as scared of him as when I was a teenager because he's just this Italian guy with a deep voice. And uh, when you see him, you look at him. He doesn't seem like, you know, nothing, like harmless, you know. Uh, but when you're a teenage boy and uh, you see your daughter's father, I mean, I'm sorry, and you see your girlfriend's father, you're automatically intimidated, you know. Uh, but he was a great man. Um you know, blessed that I got to, you know, he welcomed me into the family, got to marry his crazy daughter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he he will be missed. Um, he definitely will be missed. And, uh, you know, just a great, just a great man. He's a great man. So, so yeah, with that said, guys, uh, I just wanted, uh, this is a new year. Um you know, for me and my wife and the Shaves family, it didn't start off so good, but uh, we are very hopeful with this year. We know with politics, people are getting a little crazy. Uh, but I spoke with my daughter. I mean, I spoke with my wife and I said, look, we're we're not going to let um, all this uh, give us fear. I know I talked about this a lot last podcast, so I'm not going to talk about it much here. So. We're going to think positive. I told her, like, you know, you know, no news. Because we're all, we were glued to the news. So, like, no no news 24-7. Let's just think positive. Getting into the Bible daily. My goal is to read a lot more. So, I'm trying to read a lot more. Um, and one of the things I'm going to be doing, I already scheduled my appointment with my doctor. And, uh, but a physical, but it's not until March. Look, I haven't had a physical in like over two years. This is crazy. This is bananas, people. That's bananas. I'm going to be 40 this year. So I got to make sure 
I'm skip on physicals, but I'm going to be tested for ADD and ADHD. I'm going to be tested for probably not during the physical, but um, he's going to like request like a specialist because um, my wife has been telling me for years that she thinks I have it. And I think I should, because if I can help control it, I think my productivity will go up. Less distractions. I love to read. But it takes me probably two hours to read a chapter because I get distracted a lot. If I could just stick and read a chapter, because I want to read like a chapter a night. If I can read a chapter a night in like 10 minutes or five minutes, that'll be good. But it takes me a lot longer because I get distracted. It'll help me with editing, especially with this podcast, instead of five hours of editing it. But I got the Roca- I wrote, got the Rocaster Pro. You know what I mean? So, you know, applause for me. (laughs) Applause for me. I got the Rodecaster Pro. So I got like all these crazy gadgets here in front of me and these buttons. So when I sell, you know, when I tell a joke, people can laugh. (laughs) Or if I I tell a joke uh, or I could just do this. Or if I tell a joke, it's not funny. (laughs) you know so you know so yeah i it's just uh i I really really love it i've been playing around with it um so i'm probably gonna the next few uh podcasts uh i'm gonna have some guests so what uh until tina comes back but when tina does come back um what i've talked to her about is um because i got my wife on the podcast um, most of the people that, uh, I want to interview, uh, I want to have their wife on there too. Um, that way, you know, we can just take, get some takes on, um, you know, what they're doing with their dreams and their goals and how their wife is involved and things like that. Um, uh, because my wife is involved in a lot of things I do. I mean, this podcast is us together. Um, but, um, she's involved in my business. Uh, she's involved. Um, she's been involved, uh, in my music. Um, and, uh, you know, with our online store that we're trying, been trying to launch, but we're going to try to take a new approach here in 2021 and get that launched. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, we're going to interview a lot of couples. Um, might not be every interview like that, but uh, we definitely want to interview a lot of couples. Uh, so I think it's going to be um, really fun, um, really fun. And then uh, soon, soon we're going to go to video. We're still going to go to video, guys. Right now, we're uh, it's just still audio, but I got the Rodecaster Pro. Like, guys, can you hear how phenomenal I sound right now? I sound phenomenal. Phenomenal. So yeah, so I think it's uh um it's great. I'm really happy. So um yeah, so guys, it's gonna be a great year, 2021. Uh, make sure um I, I'm not really big on resolutions. So let's just t- say instead of resolutions, just say like say goals, because companies do this. A lot of companies they they start the beginning of the year with goals. It's like, okay, this is how last year ended. What can we do 
to better some areas in this company. So what can you do to better some areas in your life? So last year for a lot of people, dieting was just stunk. Um, for those of the people that took advantage of being um, in lockdown and working out at home, dieting at home, I tip my hat to you and you are an inspiration to me because I did not take advantage of that. So my goal this year is to get back, back into my old routine and eating better, eating healthier, exercising more, being moving around more. So um, that that's my goal because I did it and then I ruined it. Like I've been, it's been my whole adult life. I lose weight, gain, lose weight, gain. But, you know, it's like, come on, if I'm going to, inspire people i need to be inspired and i need to do hit my goals and uh you know do these things so yeah this is this is uh this is that's my goal tina has some goals we ran down with we ran down uh our list of goals i talked about this last podcast so i'm not gonna go too far into it but yeah man already roadcaster pro goal number one already hit get the roadcaster pro but yeah, guys, so uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, guys. I know it's a little different just hearing my voice, but I appreciate you guys listening to me as I pour my heart out, talking about my father-in-law, honoring him. You know, he's with Jesus now. He's with Jesus and uh, having the best time, way better than all of us. No worries that we have, no fears just joy just pure joy and that's just amazing to know he's not suffering anymore he's not in that body anymore and he's just having pure pure joy the purest joy you could ever ever experience and uh that makes me happy that makes my wife happy and her mother too so thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Check you guys out next time. Peace. Hashtag living it with Tina and Anderson.